Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who has just renewed his subscription to Chicks in Chains. <laughs> it's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Very well. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you might, you might, you might be, you might notice that good. you're seeing me. Well, I don't know if you'll notice, but I've got a different angle to to normal um, because uh, I came into a bit of money and I decided to buy an iMac for the family. So, ah. so I'm 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 recording my audio on my laptop, which is to my right here, and I can see you <laughs> on the big screen. Um, it's a lot more comfortable actually, and I can see your face in is <laughs> uh, like, reasonably good resolution. <laughs> oh, good. So yeah, but the thing is, like when I went when I went to Apple to buy it, so it's obviously it's quite a big purchase, right? Buying a, an iMac, yeah. and I was and I also had I had also promised my daughter I would buy her some new AirPods because she lost hers last year. So I, t- I told her when I came into this money that I've that I've come into she, she could have a new set of iPod eh, AirPods. So like I spent like a good few hundred quid and the apple shop yeah and i sort of expected like a bit more i don't know <laughs> i don't know a bit more sort of uh to be held in a bit higher esteem by the shop assistants just fucking couldn't be arsed do you know what i mean like making a big purchase <laughs> and everything and i i even took the apple care as well when she suggested it and she, i don't know just i always think when you spend a lot of money somewhere like when you when you buy a if you buy a brand new car from the dealer you know they put it under like a sheet and they, they whip it off and all that so when you go to pick it mm. up and they sometimes throw you some shitey like merchandise that you're just going to give away to your father-in-law or throw in the bin <laughs> yeah <laughs> stuff like that and yeah it was just it was all about it's all a bit of an anticlimax, to be quite honest. What were you expecting? Like a little party, like trumpets playing you as you walked out the store, a little banner, like congratulations, yeah. to, you know, on your purchase, all sort of thing. All, you, all you of just that. Wanted a bit of fuss, didn't <laughs> exactly, you? Exactly, all of that. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm Scottish, so parting with large sums of money, like my, my, my DNA sort of bubbles a little bit when. <laughs> You know what I mean when I when I went but I made these big purchases. Um, I just helped. I just thought I would get a bit more. I don't know, a bit a bit more gravitas about it all, but I wasn't fucking apple. You can take the boy out of Scotland, there. <laughs> yeah. eh? But you you've just come back from a, a lovely holiday in Barbados, haven't you? Barbados. I uh, have. Yes. Yeah. I was away for uh, yeah like ten days in Barbados. Uh, yeah, lovely, lovely holiday. Wonderful time. Beautiful island. Reminded me of Scotland in a lot of <laughs> really? ways, though. Um, <laughs> was, yeah, there was a couple... Um, so there's there's posters everywhere for... and I, You know what? I did take a photo of myself with the poster. I might put it on it on Instagram. Um, it, it's this drink, but I didn't get a chance to try it because I, I didn't... Well, I didn't really fancy trying it, to be honest. But um, it's this big drink that I advertise everywhere. It's called Rude Boy, right. and it's a tonic wine. Right. And it just... <laughs> Reminded me of Buckfast, you know, seeing these posters. But I did see a lot of people going about drinking this rude boy tonic wine. So I don't know. I should have um, sampled it. Were they wearing, were they wearing and, designer sportswear and being generally antisocial? No, no, <laughs> no, they weren't. No, no, they weren't. They weren't. Bar- they weren't Barbados names. <laughs> um, and but but the big thing that really got me was um, obviously I'm a vegetarian and a a lot of the food there is you know meat or fish is the most popular thing and in fact like one restaurant we went to there was literally one thing on the menu I could have because it 
they don't really care for, yeah. for me over there. But we went to this fish market this night, and it's like the place to go. Oyston Fish Market. It's just like, oh, it's mental. There's just, oh, so many people, and there's like reggae bands playing, and just everyone's drinking and eating. And it's just all these stalls, but they're grilling all this fish and stuff, and you just, you know, eat it on the, these plastic tables. It's just, oh, it was such a good experience. And most of the stalls sold this thing called macaroni pie. <laughs> and... <laughs> I was like, I, I have to have a macaroni pie. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. I, I have to. So I did have it, but it wasn't a macaroni pie. No. It was just, it, I mean, it was fucking amazing though. But it was just like macaroni with, you know, like cheesy sauce, but then with this like spicy, like sort of like bajan kind of sauce through it. Uh-huh. And oh, it was just incredible. So it was um, it's probably the best macaroni pie I've ever no, had. And it wasn't a pie? N- not an actual pie. <laughs> no, it wasn't a pie, but they, they call it a macaroni right, pie. Right, okay. But one of the... What highlighted things for me as well is we flew with Virgin and we flew premium economy. Uh, and on the flight over there, they were a little bit stingy, I would say, with the drinks. They weren't forthcoming, mm. uh, but they, they do serve uh, it's Brewdog Lost Lager okay. that they serve on the Virgin flights. But yeah, I had a couple and there was nobody there, nobody coming. So we we're in like at second row. So I got up and went through to the galley a bit. There's nobody about. So I just started opening the cupboards and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Help, found the drinks trolley, helped myself to a couple of cans, went back to my seat. Um, uh, so I did this a couple of times because there was just no one around. No one was there because it was a night flight, I think, and there was just nobody yeah. going about. So on on the way back, now I should say on the way there, most of the the flight attendants, and they did a wonderful job but because um, they stayed out my way whilst I was raking around <laughs> the drinks trolley, um, they were all from south of the border, shall we say. Now, on the flight back home it just so happened that the flight attendant that was serving kind of my area just happened to be scottish so when and she obviously had heard my accent so when the drinks troller came and uh, to be fair i only wanted one and <laughs> um, because it was a night flight so i was intending to sleep yeah. to get my way back home i said oh can i have a, a lager please she said, ah, no bother hands me two cans and gives me a wink like there you go <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. Much appreciated. So I had a sleep. And then after we had breakfast, now on Virgin, they have these little salt and pepper shakers that are in the, like the, an aeroplane. Right. They're these little aeroplane kind of models and they're really quirky. And at the um, on the, the foot of this, it does say pinched from Virgin Atlantic because they expect people to steal right. them. And apparently they go for a bit on eBay. So we'd kind of heard about this, but obviously we're not going to fucking take them. What are we going to do with them? So we gave it back to the, after our meal and stuff gave her the tray and then she collected everyone's trays and then she came back to me and she tapped me on the shoulder and I was like yeah and she went why didn't you take your salt and peppers <laughs> I was like what, what do you mean she's like people sell them on eBay for a fortune you should have taken them and I'm like for fuck's sake just because I'm Scottish you think you're stealing stuff on a plane so but anyway, she was wonderful. As I say, she kept the lager flowing and she told me to steal stuff from the, the flight. So there you go. So that was my Scottish experience um, in Barbados. Macaroni pie, rude boy tonic wine and a, and a lovely Scottish flight attendant condoning theft. I have noticed that on flights, uh, I think, I don't know if it's a, even if it's since the pandemic or if it was before the pandemic, that not quite as generous with the drinks as they once were. I mean, I remember, I remember mm. the first... The first time I flew home after I'd moved to Kuwait and I went home on my own and I had to fly 
Kuwait to Dubai, Dubai to Amsterdam, then Amsterdam to Glasgow. And like Kuwait's a dry country. So as soon as I got into the lounge in Dubai, waiting for, I just started drinking. And um, when, yeah. when I got in the plane, I had the flavour. So as soon as as soon as I could, I, I pinged the attendant and asked for a beer. And she was a nice Dutch lady. She brought me a, a, a Heineken. So they're, they're small cans, right, on the planes usually. So I mm. drank it pretty quickly. So I, I pinged for another one and she brought it. And then a little while later, I pinged for another one. She brought that. And then when I pinged for another one, she came back and said, no, I, I can't give you any more. And now, what? <laughs> the thing was, my mind's thinking, well, that's a strange thing. But my mouth's going, why? <laughs> <laughs> Immediately answering my own question. <laughs> I realised that I was fucking hammered. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so and I, got, I, I fell asleep. I, I, I went. It was an overnight flight, so I fell asleep, and, uh, and then I, I woke myself up snoring at one point. It was just, and when, of course, <laughs> when I got to Amsterdam, it was like six in the morning. It was freezing because it was January, and I was hung over to hell. Um, so uh, she, she probably did me a favour. To be quite honest, cut me off when she did. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, not a bit. Not the best combination. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah, they are a bit stingy. In terms of that, I always used to, and it wasn't, it genuinely wasn't for any, because I wanted like them immediately. I would always ask for like two bottles of red wine. Mm. And the reason I did that was so I didn't have to bother them yeah, yeah. in, you know, half an hour's time. <laughs> and it's just, that was the reason. <laughs> and I think I did, yeah, I took a flight. I can't remember when it was. It wasn't long ago. And I remember asking, can I have two beers? No, we can only give you one at a time. <laughs> why what what am i gonna do with what all right fine so i had that one and then rang the bell can i have another beer please (laughs) (laughs) just just like a spike just drank it really quickly just it's obvious that somebody has ruined it for the rest of us like the the marhaba lounge in the fly dubai airport uh terminal two in dubai has got a three drink limit now so three, that's oh, your limit. Um, so it's obvious that somebody's gone in there and fucked it and they've had to take some drastic <sighs> measures. <laughs> so, See, that's what's yeah. just, people just spoil it for I everyone, know. don't they? Shameful. Indeed. Never mind. Right, well, shall we have a look at what's been going on in Scotland whilst I've been away? Cue the jingle. <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, so what have you seen first in the news from Scotland that you'd like to share with me and our lovely listeners? Well, this one was in the Scottish Sun uh, on the 10th of March, well, today, in fact. Oh, no, it was updated today. It was in the Scottish Sun on the 4th of March. Mm. Um, The headline reads, Crock My World. Uh, I bleed crocodiles in my tiny Scottish village. Shows like Tiger King give us a bad name, but I'm saving their lives. Um, So this is a plumber. (laughs) Uh, A plumber has made history by producing Scotland's first captive-bred crocodile, adding to the astonishing collection of wild animals at his home. Uh, Keith Coltheart has spent tens of thousands of pounds turning his rural abode into a sanctuary for creatures that would likely have been uh, euthanized. Was he? What do you say? Euthanized. Had he not euthanized? euthanized, Had he not intervened? The 36-year-old has built two extensions as well as a custom outbuilding complete with a river and a bridge 
that houses a large American alligator and a West African Nile crocodile. Uh, Meanwhile, he also has specialist areas for younger crocs and gators to go along with an incredible collection of snakes, spiders, lizards and tortoises. But his crowning glory came recently when he was able to breed the critically endangered wild, uh, sorry, West African dwarf crocodile, a feat that even zoos struggle to accomplish. Keith, who lives in a remote area of Scotland, says... I worked with four different endangered species, but hatching the dwarf crocs was a huge achievement for me. I know Five Sisters Zoo, I've been working with them for years with no success. All future babies I'm lucky enough to produce will be travelling over to a conservation farm in Africa where they will play their part in a project to help the wild population. Uh, The first croc hatched the same day. The queen passed away (laughs) and the clutch was incubated for a female, so we felt Elizabeth was a very fitting name. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> must be a Rangers it's must what, be a Rangers fan it's what she wanted yeah, I'm sure sadly <laughs> <laughs> they are a critically endangered species and anything I can do to help with that is something I'm committed to Keith's passion for animals started at a young age and he bred his first snakes when he was only 15 his mum was able to direct to get him work experience at the now closed Glasgow Zoo he then started getting more regular weekend shifts helping in the reptile house, and was gutted when the business went bust. But he was keen to continue his hobby and obtained a dangerous wild animal licence which allows him to keep exotic animals in his home. He receives regular checks from his local authority, works in conjunction with a specialised vet, and shells out thousands on animal care. Among his huge animal menagerie are a 20-foot reticulated python, four uh, aldebra tortoises, two alligator snapping turtles, and a pair of rhinoceros iguanas, another critically endangered species that he's been able to breed Keith who says he doesn't view the animals as pets which is wise because they're not is incredibly cautious around his creatures and has every single inch of his home monitored with CCTV but he reckons TV shows such as Tiger King damage the reputation of genuine enthusiasts who take the responsibility seriously the tradesman says hmm. the animals for me are a genuine interest from childhood some people have exotics for the showmanship but that's never been me I've tried to stay private until now but with the aim of growing into a sanctuary and a conservation centre, being public about what I do comes with the territory. People like Tiger King give folk the wrong idea about those that keep dangerous animals. In reality, I've kept it a secret so long because what I do is really important to me. Uh, so though Keith may have the most impressive collection of wild animals in the country, he's not alone in his passion project. A survey of Scot- hmm. a survey of Scottish licensing data found that DWA licenses have been issued to people with spitting cobras in Aberdeen, exotic cats in Falkirk, sounds like a recipe for disaster there, <laughs> wild boar <laughs> wild boar in Ayrshire and countless other animals all over Scotland. Yeah, so this is Keith. They haven't said where he lives, I guess he's maybe asked them not to because he doesn't want this hmm. Could get ripped off um, quite easily, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I like pets, but I like traditional pets like dogs and cats. I don't know if I would want to fill my house with uh, mm-hmm. alligators and crocodiles. What's your thoughts? But Keith? they're not pets, oh, Greg, not, as he says. Oh, they're not pets. <laughs> oh, I know. But have you ever had an exotic, an exotic creature in the home? No, no, no I can't say I have. Um, probably a gecko. In um, when I lived in Dubai, that's probably the closest oh, that I've ever had to having an exotic creature <laughs> in my home. Um, no, I, I can't say I've ever been a fan. And funnily enough, I mean, off on a tangent, did you see that our mutual friend was selling a snake 
for his mate on Facebook the other yeah, day. Yeah, he was selling a snake and he was selling like a bearded dragon as well. So yeah, very strange. Um, anyway, <laughs> turned into so, an exotic I, animal I don't, dealer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of turned into a dealer. Um, no, I, I've never. I, I really admire what this guy is doing, obviously, because mm. he's doing it for a good purpose and he's he's doing it to conserve the animals. Yeah. And the, as you say, they were going to be effectively put down anyway. Or mm-hmm. so he is. He is doing it for a, a good cause. But no, I couldn't imagine having uh, Lizzie the lizard no. like roaming around my house or anything, or having a crocodile. It's. I think it's because we grew up on those eighties films and, and stories of like people flushing crocodiles down the toilet and them growing into these monsters yeah. or they grow into uh, crime fighting ninjas yeah. um if they're turtles but <laughs> yeah i think that's what always put me off yeah i've never i mean we looked after uh um a friend's tortoises uh the summer before last for a couple of weeks while they were on holiday and they were fine they were quite interesting because I've never been that close to anything like that before, and I I never I hmm. I, I, I didn't know that tor- that tortoises yawned, so that was something I learned yeah. when looking <laughs> after these tortoises. And um, but they, they smell like they they they, oh, really? they smell. Uh, and they all they do is they like, eat and shit like pretty much all day. Mm. They're like they're like little cows. They're like little cows with shells um, in your house. And can you milk them? <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't try to milk them. <laughs> Tortoise milk. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I've never been a fan. I, I I used to have terrible arachnophobia when I was a kid and when I was an adult. <laughs> but uh, being a being a father uh, and the the man of the house sort of got that out of me because I obviously had to evict a few I've had to evict a few spiders over the years so I'm I'm, I'm alright but I still don't like tarantulas and stuff they give me the PBGBs so they do just to look at them and all that it takes all sorts I guess and you know people do like different things and hey that's, that you know applies to everything in the world if everyone liked the same thing it would be a bloody boring place I'm with you in terms of you know, a dog mm-hmm. cat I mean obviously I'm allergic to cats so cat I have mm-hmm. but you know even when you're a younger like a, a bunny rabbit or a hamster or guinea pig type thing yeah. even a budgie or of course a goldfish you know you can't go wrong with a yeah, goldfish yeah. but yeah keeping these uh, exotic pets I don't know if I'm, I'm agreed with that, especially with the climate. And of course, having lived in Dubai as well, similar to you, I mm. mean, there's, there's a lot. I mean, I've, I have seen, you know, a car driving down Shakeside Road with a tiger in it. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? I see, yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> Fuck's sake. I've seen a bit of that before. And a part of me, like quite a, a worryingly large part of me, sort of will, is, is kind of willing the tiger <laughs> to just turn and savage the fucking idiot that's driving it around. And he's, and he's a Lamborghini or he's, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, you know what's going to happen one day? That tiger is just biding its yeah. time. They're very patient animals and very intelligent animals. He's just waiting for the right moment because he knows if he strikes at the wrong moment, then he's fucked. Yeah, yeah. He's just waiting for just the right moment and that's it. I know. It's going to it's gonna be game over. Yeah. Like, wait, when I, I did watch The Tiger King because it was on during one of the fucking many lockdowns of 2020 and me and the missus it, yeah. I think it was your recommendation actually I think it, cause I don't think I think, I think mm. you had said that you had watched it first and you said that's fucking it's, it needs to be yeah. it needs to be seen <laughs> to be believed uh, which is a pretty accurate description of that programme um, <laughs> And I like, all the way through, they, and there's a, there's a, a couple of moments when one of these tigers or lions gets hold of him, and I'm thinking, yes, fucking yeah. maul them. Um, but it, it always seems to, it always managed to kind of wriggle away from it. You know? <laughs> As you know, I don't recommend a lot of stuff, but I was proud when I recommended that and seeing you and our mutual friend kind of watching it at the same time yeah, yeah. and the messages coming in. What the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
singing Joe Exotic songs and stuff. Oh, it was great. Maybe Keith will get a little reality program out of it and raise a bit of money for his uh, for his project. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. good. Anyway, yep, that's yeah. that's that's Keith, the uh, plumber and keeper of uh, exotic animals. What's your what's your first story this week? Strangely enough, Greg, my first story is also about animals and it's about pets. Right. And this is from the Daily Record this week. And the headline is Scotsman pampers two pet hamsters and serves them miniature home cooked meals. <laughs> so this is uh, a devoted Scots pet owner and he has shared adorable images of his pampered hamsters munching their way through their delicious miniature home-cooked meals. Anton Allen, 22, from Paisley, spoils his two Syrian hamsters, called Mr Marshmallow and Mr Licorice, with a range of delicious meals including curries, pasta dishes and sweet treats such as cheesecake and pumpkin pie. (laughs) The two hamsters, Mr Marshmallow, who is two years old, and Mr Licorice, who is a few months older, have had over a hundred different meals made for them by their owner, who has been setting up little scenarios for his pets to enjoy and relaxing. Anton said, I first started by doing taste tests with my hamsters to figure out what they like. The first thing Mr Marshmallow ever tried was some watermelon, and he loved it. At the start, I just tried them on different fruits and veggies, but then I decided I wanted to start making some meals for them to try. (laughs) So I did a bunch of research and followed some recipes online, but then I decided I wanted to try and make my own things for him. I made spaghetti with sauce, a hamster-friendly cheesecake and apple pie. Since then, I've made a bunch of new things for them, like curry, marshmallows. Oh, you're feeding Mr. Marshmallow marshmallows. You can't do that. (laughs) Um, Pumpkin pie and many more. I have so much fun thinking of new things for them to try because they absolutely love their food. And it's very rare that I find that something Mr. Marshmallow doesn't like. Mr. Licorice is still new to this, (laughs) so he hasn't tried too many things yet. But he did try some pancakes for pancake day. And he really enjoyed them. So, this is Anton. Um, Anton, I think you need a girlfriend. I was going to say, my first question was, (laughs) does Anton live alone by any chance? Or maybe with his (laughs) mum? It doesn't say. But there's some lovely photos of um, Mr. Marshmallow enjoying a bowl of spaghetti. Um, There's Mr. Marshmallow having a drink from a, a little cup. And yeah, he's eating spaghetti again. They've just used the same photo twice. Um, And he's got a little mini picnic table set up. Um, and he's eating something from the picnic table. Looks like there's like a little mini pizza on that table for Mr. Marshmallow. I can't believe he's feeding Mr. Marshmallows. Marshmallows. Um, So yeah, this is someone who obviously is very dedicated to their pets and is making home-cooked meals for hamsters. I mean, would you go with that effort? Well, if, I mean, if it, maybe if he obviously doesn't have an awful lot else going on in his life, you know what I mean? His world revolves on his hamsters. I mean, I do sometimes wonder because I do for my dog because he is he's allergic to quite a few things and it's, it's difficult for treats. And, and so I home-bake treats mm. for him every week that we use for his walks just to give him a little thing. So every week... I, uh, I I bake two <laughs> salmon fillets in the oven, <laughs> and then once they're cooked, I let them cool down. Then I put them in a food mixer with some flour and eggs and a bit of water, and then we have like a silicon mat that I spread out in that makes little tiny little treat ball shapes. And then with the leftover mixture, I make him six cupcakes, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then stick them in the oven for about twenty five minutes, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Let them cool and put them in the fridge. And then he gets a cupcake every day and gets his treats and his walks. Am I Anton? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, they have quite a lot in common with Anton in the it sounds like Anton never goes out either. (laughs) 
although, although we do know that you that you have a significant other in your life because I've met her, so I can vouch for that. I mean, oh, this is a guy. He obviously just loves his pets, and it's it's giving him enjoyment as well. I guess he just likes cooking, mm. and I'm sure he makes the stuff for himself as well, and has like a bigger portion. Then <laughs> I don't know. Actually, it doesn't mention that in the article. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, um, maybe he's he, maybe he just eats seeds and nuts, and Mr. Marshmallow's eating like a pasto primavera there <laughs> yeah, um so yeah i don't know yeah we're our, um well my daughter's uh, hamster recently went to the what the big hamster cage in the sky uh she's like oh i'm sorry to hear I, that she was a good age um but the thing was i was about like in the uk if you know if a pet sadly passes away there are provisions you know there are services that you can avail to uh environmentally friendly uh the dispose of uh the poor de- departed creature um, and at the very least mm. with a hamster you can take it and bury it in the garden you know what I mean you've, you've always got to make sure mm. that you bury it as deeply as you can and it's sort of whatever you put it in is quite tight but of course here in Dubai you can't really do that so mm. my daughter was a bit concerned um, as to what was going to happen to the dead body of her hamster so to my, mm. to my, to my lasting shame I told her that I went to the pet shop and they told me they had a service um, that took the hamster away and she'd be cremated. But what actually happened was I threw the hamster in a bin. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I don't, I, the thing was, right, you know yourself, I, I couldn't have buried the hamster in the garden because you, you no. go down about six inches and it's fucking concrete. You know what I mean? Where they've, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there was nowhere I could go and sort of subtly plant this hamster. And I wasn't going to drive out into the desert. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like. Well, that was going to be my suggestion. <laughs> Joe Pesci in Casino and um, dig a hole for the hamster. Uh, because I, still, I mean, I went and done that for I mean, the weekends, but I had to get to work. So, um, yeah. So, to my shame that uh, Maggie the hamster was put in a tub, uh, wrapped up with cling film and put in the bin. So, so oh, sorry, Maggie. Shame. It's what she would have wanted, I'm sure. Yeah. No, I knew that you made treats for, uh, for Bobby because you often at the weekends were. Mm. When we're shooting the breeze in the WhatsApp group, you're often doing that while you're chatting to us. Oh, uh, hmm. Does he appreciate your dedication to his diet? He does. Yeah. He does. He loves them. Yeah, I know. He loves his treats. Yeah. Never gets sick of them. So, no, he, he very much appreciates it. He says thank you every day. <laughs> yeah. um, but I hope he doesn't listen to this because now he's going to be expecting <laughs> pasta and marshmallows and um, curry and pumpkin pie. So, I'll have to say, I'm sorry. You're not like Mr. Marshmallow. You're not getting that. <laughs> Anyway, so I think that's enough uh, pet chat, I think, for this episode. Yeah. Uh, what else have you seen uh, in the news this week, Greg? Um, well, it's, it's, it's not often that we, uh, that we have any sort of political stories uh, on the podcast. And I suppose this isn't, oh. this isn't really a political story either. This is about a uh, specky uh, COVID rule breaker <laughs> and general all-round arsehole Michael Gove. Um, He's been named Clubber of the Week after a surprise visit to an Aberdeen 1980s-themed night spot. <laughs> so the Sun, I mean, the, the Sun, uh, I guess I guess they're, they're on the Tory wagon at the moment um, because it starts off, Michael Gove has been named Clubber of the Week after delighting revelers with his moves. And I know that, I know that Aberdeen is like a conservative sort of, safe seats but i wouldn't have thought that many people would be too happy to see him in there but anyway um yeah the 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 tory mp dropped by club tropicana in aberdeen on february the 18th and stunned punters when he hit the dance floor there's a picture of him yeah i don't i yeah 
stunned might be a bit of a strong word. Um, he sort of, it looks like uh, it's like your old pissed up da at a wedding. That's <laughs> what he does. Uh, uh, Gove was shortlisted among four others for Clubber of the Week in a Facebook poll. Uh, Club Tropicana today confirmed that the levelling up minister had won the prize. He received, I, know, you, I hope you're sitting down for this, he received an overwhelming 35 votes and has scooped VIP oh. entry reserved seating, and a <laughs> bottle of booze of his choice. Uh, announcing his win, the 1980s theme night spot posted, and our winner is number two. Congratulations. It doesn't say Michael Gove. Um, but anyway, Mr. Gove, who grew up in Aberdeen, boogied with a woman to the Donna Summer Classic I Feel Love at the venue. The divorced dad of two was seen throwing shapes at 2am as he belted out, Ooh, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. <laughs> Gove has told locals he was visiting his mum Christine when he went for the solo night out. He made a beeline for the dance floor and boogied away on his own until a woman joined him. One stunned reveler said he appeared a bit tipsy but not drunk and was clearly having a good time. Some people recognised him, but a lot didn't know who he was and just let him go on with it. After a while, this girl went to chat with him and they had a dance together. It was all a bit of innocent fun. Club owner Tony Cochran posted a picture on social media and said, Michael Gove having a wee boogie at Club Tropicana tonight. And nightclub photographer Rebecca McGregor added, I was at a job nearby when my mum, who works in Club Tropicana, texted me to say that Michael Gove was what? in. I know, just Aberdeen, what can I say? I went around and... <laughs> I went round and took a picture of him. He took a few selfies with customers and stayed until the end, so I take it he was enjoying himself. This time he took a sip of a woman's drink, then pulled her towards him for a quick waltz. Mr Gove was videoed dancing to a drum and bass DJ in the same city in August 2021 when he visited techno club Bohemia. Um, he split from his journalist wife, Sarah Vine, in 2021 and has been spotted on a night out with BBC producer Sam McAllister. Um, for some reason, reason Mr Gove has been contacted for comment <laughs> I don't know what he's going to say yeah I went for a dance in the club now it raises, this raises quite a lot of questions but I suppose the main one is when I used to go out in town and stuff like in Aberdeen and in Glasgow with my friends whenever we saw like a middle-aged man in a club on his own dancing every with no evidence of any company with him he was always absolutely fucking hammered Right, right. It's like, been out all night, lost all these mates, or been a pain in the arse. They've told him, they've tried to send him home. He's gone off into the night with his chippy. He's he's been walking past Club Tropicana. He's heard fucking, I don't know, wake me up before you go, go by wham or something as he's walked past and he's thought, right, how much is it to get in? (laughs) Flung his chips away. Hit the dance floor immediately. <laughs> I mean, that's weird, right? You don't go for a night out on your own. Yeah, I, I guess it's because he's a celebrity. He, he He's probably doing this to get in the papers again, because he did it a few years ago. Yeah. He was definitely um, spotted in um, Aberdeen. Um, I remember an article very similar to this that he was out and about. So I think, yeah, he's doing this to get a bit of publicity, maybe, or to just get... Out there, I don't know. It's 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 one of those kind of I'm down with the cool kids. <laughs> Club Tropicana. Because I, <laughs> yeah, I go to Club Tropicana and dance to Banana Rama. <laughs> it's the I mean of all places, but that's the only place he could really go, I suppose. Club Tropicana. It's yeah. the, the place he wouldn't look out. I mean, out of work. I mean, you've just basically said that a woman said her mum works yes. there, and. <laughs> 
in in all the in all our time of of you know clubbing in in Aberdeen, I don't think we were ever served by like a. I presume at least forty-year-old woman, well, if that's what the, than, you know. Hey, I, I, hopefully older no, than forty. No shade. Unless she had Rebecca when she was fourteen, <laughs> which I suppose is possible. <laughs> oh, no. and uh, no shade on that at yeah. all. But you know, I'm just saying it's it's not the type of thing you would normally see. Um, yeah, that's a a very strange story. But uh, yeah, he's just out and about and just yeah, he's just enjoying himself. He's a single man now, so he's enjoying himself. You think he? So you think at Club Tropicana? You, you think he was just trying to get himself a bit of a, a, a few calls? in the paper oh probably but if he's up visiting his mum and then he's like oh I fancy a night out yeah I wouldn't go to Club Tropicana I would just go somewhere for a few beers but I guess maybe he feels safe there or something <laughs> or I don't know I mean you know cause he's, he's not going to He's not going to go with the fucking balaclava for a pint, is he? <laughs> he? He does dress like a sort of 1980s yuppie, so maybe that's maybe that's why, maybe that's why oh. the, your, to your point, he did feel it was a bit of sanctuary there, you know? You have to wonder, though, if the owner is taking photos or selfies with him and putting them on their Instagram page as promotion, you know, mm. is that a selling point? Michael Gove comes to our club? I know, fucking honestly. You know, they, and the thing is, it's, it's, it's probably the only place they could go without running the risk of getting a sore face because... I mean, they, mm. I remember when I lived in Aberdeen, and you might you remember this as well, like up, sort of up in the direction of, was either, I can't remember if it was the, the, the top of Windmill Bray or a bit further up towards mm-hmm. the Bon Accord Centre, there was a 70s bar called Flares. And I did find myself in there a mm. couple a couple of times um, when I lived in Aberdeen. But the only reason I went in there is because it was always full of women. <laughs> always yeah. full of women. Um and there was a good, there was a good chance that uh, you might cop off if you went to Flares. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think Flares was basically, yeah, like kind of out the back of Seoul. Yeah, and just up a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever went into Flares. Yeah, yeah. I remember we, we you remember you and I and our mutual friend and my father, bizarrely, on a night out in Glasgow, went to the Reflex. Uh, Nightclub. Mm. Uh, well, it wasn't a cl- it wasn't a nightclub. It was a bar. The Reflex. But we went there for a drink before we went somewhere else. And it, I remember being up the stairs. Yeah. There was a hen party in, and like a stripper, like a sort of policeman stripper doing his thing. Um. Yeah. So like all these. I mean, like it's and it still seems to be the case here that like Club Tropicana is probably if you're if you're out to get a lumber, um, the sort of male to female ratio is a bit better in these sort of themed clubs, <laughs> clubs and pubs than just going to like a normal place. So yeah, he's he was probably trying to get his that King Cole. It's probably it was up. Yeah, like I say, he's a single man. He's just, you know, up visiting his mum. He's 55. He's just yeah. out for a night out and seeing what's going on. Yeah. And he's just wanting to dance to big fun and <laughs> see what's happening. Yeah. Have a drink, maybe meet a nice lady. So what's it? See what's going so on. So what, this, this leads me to a bit of a, a game, right? So I'm going to ask you, mm. I'm going to name uh, one of our Swally favourites and I'm going to ask you, in Club Tropicana, what does a Swally favorite? What song does the Swally favorite ask the DJ for? Okay. Okay. Now I've never been to Club Tropicana, but I know. Yeah. I think what it is. So it's it's basically eighties music. It's yeah. all. It's very it's much the nineteen eighties. So yeah. we're going eighties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll go with a, a, a Swally stalwart and favorite, James Cosmo. What what song does Cosmo? So Cosmo lurches up to the DJ booth. He's got a he's got like a pint of tartan special or something that's probably poured out of a can because I don't think he can get it in draft anymore. He's a wee bit pissed. He's gone up. He's put his arm around the DJ and he said, DJ, 
put on. See, I want to go with a Scottish-themed song, but you know, genuinely, the first song that pops into my head if I think a Cosmo stumbling up is Beat Surrender by The Jam. <laughs> I think that's what he's going to be requesting. Yeah. However, I don't think they would play that in Club Tropicana. No. So... Oh, God, I don't, what do, but it's more. I don't know. Do they play? Cosmo's going to request "Real Gone Kid" by DK <laughs> yeah, Blue. Think, uh, yeah, I think he'd do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we we're, we're, were talking about her the other day because she seems to have fucked us off on Instagram, and she's not. <laughs> but, um, the lovely, the 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 lovely Simone the Beeb. What does what does Simone ask for? What's her eighties favorite? Total Eclipse of the Heart. I think so. Yeah, you can just see her. She's got a handbag on the dance floor with her pals. Yeah. <laughs> Belting yeah. out the power ballad. Yeah, yeah. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Guaranteed. A little fence of handbags on the dance floor, keeping their baby sham bottles safe and their bottles of case cider. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, we'll do one more. Okay, last one. Star of Taggart, Mark McManus. What does McManus want to hear? Mark McManus. What does McManus want to hear from Tropicana? <laughs> Well, he, he plays Space Invaders and Tiger, doesn't he? <laughs> That's very true, actually. You know what? I can I can see him um, standing in the middle of the dance floor with his coat waving, wafting, <laughs> just looking mean and moody at all the women and Michael Gove <laughs> at the bar as he just shuffles and stares and isolates to Vienna by Ultravox. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, just looking a bit, a, a bit sort of like, sort of disinterested in what's going on. Yeah. But, but, he's, but he's taking everything in. Everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's memorising faces. He's checking out the talent. Yeah, nice one. Cool. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to dance. <laughs> just, he can just yeah. nod his head. Yeah. yeah. Sh- shuffle around. Yeah. See what's going on, as you say. Take everything in. Because that's what he does. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, that maybe reaches for a weekend at his club, you know? Yeah. Sips his dram. Yeah, like it. Cool. That was good fun. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's a uh, cunt features Gove at uh, Club Tropicana. Uh, anyway, that was my uh, second and final story this week. What's your, what's your next one? Uh, so, my final story this week, Greg, is from the Falkirk Herald last week. And it was the headline that attracted me to this story. And I think you'll probably see why. So, uh, the headline reads Drunken dressing gown man slapped woman during chip shop bust up in Bowness. A drunken offender arrived at chip shop in his dressing gown and pyjamas to pick up his order and then proceeded to wreck the counter and slap a female member of staff. Uh, So (laughs) the article reads, as if the damage to the counter and the slap to the woman's face was not bad enough, Neil Walker 34, then turned up at the chip shop several months later annoyed that he had received a date to attend a court case (laughs) about the offence he'd committed. He later told police he had little recollection of events and he just wanted to talk to the staff about his case. Uh, appearing at Falkirk Sheriff Court last Thursday, Walker pleaded guilty to threatening behaviour and damaging property offences that he committed at the Corvey restaurant Seaview Place Bonus on February the 11th last year. He also admitted threatening behaviour at the same location on October the 28th, 2022. Danielle MacDonald, Procurator Fiscal Depute, said the witness received a phone call from the accused who was placing an order for fish and chips and asking for it to be delivered to his home address. He was told they did not deliver, and they asked him to come and collect it. Ten minutes later, he arrived at the shop in his dressing gown and pyjamas. He began shouting within the shop, swearing and being verbally abusive towards other customers. Walker then demanded his food before punching the plastic counter in the premises, causing it to crack and fall to the floor. What? As he was... Yeah. <laughs> he's punched the counter. It's the, like a plastic counter you would have in a fish yeah, and chip yeah. shop. He's punched that and it's fallen 
fallen to the floor, cracked. Um, as he was being escorted towards the door, Walker turned and slapped a female member of staff in the face. A number of months later, and Walker was back at the popular fish and chip shop once again after he received notice of his pending court case. He appeared to be aggressive on his approach, said the procurator fiscal deputy. He entered the shop and immediately started shouting and swearing in respect of receiving court papers, saying, I never did anything. <laughs> Uh, the, the witnesses closed the door and he continued shouting and swearing outside. He later told police, I know I shouldn't have gone over there, but I just got the letter and wanted to talk about the court case. Um, the defence solicitor said that uh, Stephen, uh, sorry, the defence solicitor Stephen Bigham said that Walker had an alcohol problem and did not have much recollection of the initial incident. Uh, the sheriff Craig Harris said, this has happened to people who were providing a service to the public and you went in there and caused them a great deal of alarm causing damage and slapping someone in the face. He placed Walker 29 Wagon Road, <laughs> Bowness, uh, on a supervised community payback order of 12 months and a restriction of liberty order, meaning that he must remain in his house between 7am and 7pm for the next... Uh, sorry, between 7pm and 7am for the next 70 days. Um, he also made him subject to a non-harassment order to stay away from Corvus for two years, so he can go and get his fish and chips again after two years, um, and ordered him to pay £60 compensation for the damage to the counter and £200 compensation to the woman he slapped. Mm. So... Have you ever, first question, have you ever gone out in your pyjamas and dressing gown? <laughs> no, uh, but this seems to have been that, this seems to be a bit of a irritating trend over the last few years. Like when I lived in the UK, mm. sort of dropping the kids off at school in the morning, and there'd be mums dropping them off, and they, the mums would be still, would have like their pyjamas and a pair of Uggs on. And if you go to the supermarket in the morning, you sometimes see like w- women turning up in their pyjamas, but not generally speaking, not guys. <laughs> to be fair, um, no, yeah, I don't. I I, I don't wear pyjamas because I live in a hot country, so I just sleep yeah. in my boxers. I I wonder if this guy's just done it to make a point, like because he's asked for a home delivery, yeah. they haven't delivered, and he's like, right, I'll fucking show <laughs> them. So he's gone down his house coat and pyjamas. <laughs> I'm ready for my bed. I'm just wanting my fish and chips. <laughs> Looking, yeah, but, but shocking state of affairs. <laughs> The thing is, like with chippies, they they're they're a, bit, they're a bit of a strange kind of phenomenon, really, because when you go when you if you go for chips after a night out, you know, like you 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 really need like a bag of chips or maybe like a fish supper or a sausage supper. If you've been out drinking yeah. and stuff, and it, you know, it's all over the UK, it's kind of what yeah. you do. But there's always like a bit of a v. There's like the chippy has got the potential to always kick off at any time. You know what I mean? And you you mm. can't really think about it because you need your chips, and there's nothing worse yeah. when you're stood. You, you know, because there's all, there's usually a big queue because everybody's having the same idea you're halfway up the queue you're nearly there it fucking kicks off because there's some guy in there pissed making a cunt of himself or upsetting somebody or a fight kicks off everybody gets papped out you don't get your chips the police are called you know what i mean it's it's a tightrope <laughs> going to the chip after <laughs> yeah it's it's always I, I mean i never really i used to always kind of avoid occasionally the chippy mm. but i'd used to go to the kebab shop or you know we do or the pie shop yeah. you know I'd, I'd always genuinely i would normally go to the kebab shop on um bridge street down a little bit because it was always quite quiet mm. like it was busy enough but quiet yeah and they always did like really good um donner and, and chips cheese and donner and stuff but on the odd occasion if i did go to the chipper there was the chipper on belmont street mm-hmm. which i generally would try and avoid because it was chipper. always packed. Shite anyway that chipper oh shite yeah. the famous one i guess was the dolphin chipper which was up next to the 24-hour shop and yeah. that was always packed and yeah uh, invariably there was always 
always like some sort of rammy yeah. going on inside or some sort of disagreement. Somebody jumped the queue. Somebody saw somebody they didn't like. I did go in once and I remember bumping into someone. It was a group of guys I knew who'd been up from Edinburgh for the football. And I kind of just vaguely knew them. And they were getting into a, an argument with these women. And I, I don't know if it was true, but one of the women mentioned her surname <laughs> in like a threatening manner. And... I did kind of say to the guys, just fucking drop it, because <laughs> if she if she if she is who she says she is, you don't want to go down this road um, of the the of renowned kind of hard head case family in Aberdeen that you want to kind of avoid getting into any trouble yeah. with. Uh, so yeah, there was always something that was kicking off um, in a chip shop. I mean, it's meant to be generally it should be a good place of banter, mm. you know, and that's why the bakery was always good. Yeah, you never really saw any trouble there. Was about was about sort of camaraderie at the bakery, wasn't there? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's nicer. Yeah. Sorry, but <laughs> when you were when you were talking about that chippy on Belmont Street, I was just immediately reminded of your story about going into the bar next door, the Belmont Bar down the stairs, and was he putting the jukebox like? Eight times in a row. Caught an eye, Joe. Like we got thrown out after the third. <laughs> and that was when it was like the the Belmont Bar, like a rough establishment. It was just us and like the nutters in there. Yeah, yeah just went up and put Cotton Eye Joe on eight times. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like those bars that you have to go down the stairs, those basement bars that you have to go down the stairs to get into, like the old old ones. You know, I think they've 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 sort of gentrified and modernised quite a lot of them. There's a lot of them in Bath Street in, Cla- yeah. in Glasgow, especially up the sort of sort of top end of Bath Street. Uh, sort of heading west there's a lot of bars that you have to go down the stairs to get into which at one time you know you would have avoided <laughs> but yeah. now they're all fancy hipsterish bars you know yeah I mean we only went into the Belmont I think because there was about seven of us mm. like we wouldn't have dared go in there if it was a group of two or three <laughs> but you're exactly right I think that bar now is like some sort of high class like mixology yeah. place that you know you get a cocktail in a shoe <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. You have to sip sip it out of a thimble or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, setting yourself on fire or something like that at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, so, yeah. Well, that kind of covers both my questions. I was going to ask, have you ever been out in your dress gown? And I was going to say, have you ever um, had an argument or had a fight in a chip shop? Or I mean, my dad used to tell me a story about um, being, in a chip, being in a chippy in Glasgow when he was younger. And he'd been out and he said that a fight broke up, a fight broke out rather at the at the front of the queue. And in those days, the chip shop would have, but obviously they still have vinegar and stuff like on the counter, but it would be like in a glass bottle. And uh, this guy picked up the bottle of vinegar to fucking bottle the guy he was fighting with with it, but he didn't realise it was a plastic bottle. <laughs> so it just sort of bounced, just sort of bounced off the guy's head and squirted vinegar all over his Levi's. <laughs> uh, um, before the <laughs> before the big Italian guy that owned the chip shop came around the counter and flung them both out, but no, I, I don't. That's gonna stink. Yeah, I think I, I've seen um, I've seen a couple of fights outside the chipper, but uh, like our, our pal Brett, um, who I've not mentioned, he uh, somebody gave him a sore face outside the bakery on George Street when he lived in um, mm. when he lived with our mutual friend on Hutchins Street, got into a bit of a fight. I don't, I don't know how you could fight with him because he's <laughs> you know what I mean? he fucking yeah. he's one of those guys who gets pissed and just stops. Talking. Talking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but anyway, it might have been uh, maybe someone took offence that he was too pretty or something. Yeah. Although, around about that time, yeah, Brett was carrying a bit of extra chunk, yeah, so was. maybe not. Yeah. Like he is now, <laughs> <laughs> he's come full circle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, there's always cause for a good uh, chip shop fight. Yeah. Um, but exactly as you say, you're kind of worried. You, you're just keeping your eyes down. Yeah. I don't want to get involved because one, I'm wanting my chips, and then once I've got my chips, I don't want to spill my chips. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get them home safely, and you know. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with this. Just leave me yeah. to, to get my chips. I want to get them home, still semi-warm, and uh, enjoy them. Well, that's the thing. Like, if, if you're with a few pals and there's some women in there, you might try and get a bit of banter going, try and get a bit of chat going with, the, with yeah. the girls. But if you're by yourself, you just want to keep yourself to yourself, just in case, you know what I mean? You start the conversation with the wrong person. Before you know where you are, yeah. your chips are all over the street outside. You've got a sore face. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that was it. What did we do in those days? Because these were kind of the days, not before mobile phones, but, you know, we couldn't, like quickly go on and just have a look at the football scores or the internet you know all you could do was text or yeah. you don't want to be standing in the chipper queue playing snake <laughs> or anything so i don't know what um your, what you your did. phone battery just... would probably be a bit dead by that time anyway because it didn't last that last as long <laughs> those days did they you'd just be kind of standing staring at your shoes or just looking around because you're not wanting to catch someone's eye in case you get mm. into any trouble that way mm-hmm. so uh, it was a, a dicey situation yeah. there. anyway now these young people don't know these young people don't know how how easily they got it I tell you exactly exactly Greg mm. so I think does that wrap up the news for this week that wraps up the news perfect right well before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today let's have a little word from our sponsors what clothes what choice what style what shine you've got what everyone wants what everyone wants what a girl what a girl beat it off slip it off get into what everyone wants you're all the fashion looking neat what everyone wants just can't be beat you've got it all and the price is low but you've got what, what everyone wants it shows what's right what's tough what a shop way to shop you've got what everyone wants and if you'd like to sponsor the Culture Swally, then get in touch with us on cultureswally at gmail.com. Okay, Greg, so it was your choice on the Swally this week, and you've picked a, a cracking little film for us to look at. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Yep, so I've picked one that I don't think, well, I know you hadn't seen before, I hadn't seen it before either. I've picked uh, 2001's Beautiful Creatures, starring the lovely Rachel Weiss and the equally lovely Susan Lynch, uh, Swally favourite Alex Norton, Ian Glenn, Morris Roves and uh, Tom Mannion. Um, it tells the story, one night in Glasgow, Dorothy and Petula, Petula's lives are thrown together when in the process of saving Petula from her abusive boyfriend, Dorothy accidentally kills him. So cue blackmail, murder, betrayal and a very good boy in the shape of canine hero Pluto, not the Disney Pluto. Um, I'm sure he's named after him. So yeah, uh, I... I enjoyed this nice little compact 85 minute film shades of um of a shallow grave and you know i like looking at uh early 2000s rachel weiss i'll be quite honest um what did you uh how did you find this one yeah same as you first time watching it i i do i was aware of it i remember it because it came out in like 2000 and around about the time a couple of years later i started working at blockbuster Mm. and i think it it was whittled down to maybe like one or two copies we had of this probably just one and i remember the dvd cover and i remember thinking oh that looks all right but i never rented it never watched it and it wasn't until maybe about a year or so ago it, it cropped up in my mind and i think it was probably because i was probably looking at 
Alex Norton's IMDb mm-hmm. and saw this. I was like, oh, I remember that film. I need to watch that. And I watched the trailer on YouTube at the time. And that's why, as I said, it had kind of been on my list. Um, I think one of our favourite podcasts... Um, I don't know if you listened to the episode this week as one of the producers on that said, give me anything that's like 85 minutes and I'll watch it. Yeah, I listened to it today. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty similar to me. Yeah, give me anything yeah. that's like 85, 90 minutes. And I never realised Netflix now is a category of 90 minutes and under <laughs> yeah, films. Does. I'm going to be yeah. <laughs> definitely going on to that because I, I love a nice little compact, perfect film. Yeah. Uh, you know something? I, I actually really enjoyed this for what it was mm. because... It doesn't take itself too seriously. It, it's actually got a, a couple of really serious themes and topics mm-hmm. in it. Uh, you know, very about you know domestic abuse, and but it is very light-hearted in a way, and and it's it's dealt with, I think, in a good manner in terms of you know all the men in this film are idiots, yeah, yeah. they're all stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the women have all the power, and and I think it's it's a really nice way that they've done that, and especially at the time that it came out because it, it kind of reminded me you mentioned shallow grave and i think it does have a bit a couple of comparisons to that and uh blood simple as well yeah 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 but it also re- reminds me very much of like lock stock and two smoking barrels mm. I, I think probably because of the confusion and then the, the the kind of different lines yeah. going on and then of course the the end where there's a bit of a, a shoot and i'd imagine that had a maybe a bit of a big influence and especially kind of that it it does feel very much like that late 90s kind of british gangster kind of film vibe and and it it, it did kind of it it took me right back to that Mm -hmm. time especially some of the songs on the soundtrack (laughs) as well which we'll we'll speak about later just like instantly transported back to that kind of late 90s early 2000s era uh yeah i mean it the plot is ridiculous (laughs) but it's it's fun yeah and it works well and yeah i i genuinely really enjoyed that and of course I mean, we'll speak about him later, but I think a lot of it is down to Alex Norton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great in it. No, like, this was a, it was a, a bit of a kind of purple patch, really, for British cinema. And I think, mm. you know, like Rachel Weiss showed that she had, the, the, the first thing I ever saw her in was The Mummy with uh, Brendan, mm. Fraser, uh, Brendan Fraser, which, excuse me, it came out the year before, came out in 1999. So I remember that summer, it was a, it was a big summer because that came out, The Matrix came out, uh, and episode one of Star Wars, The Phantom Menace came out, so mm. it was like a bit. It was a big summer for uh, films. That was the first thing I'd seen her in, and then a, a year later, which obviously the Mummy, big Hollywood film, and then this is the complete opposite, like small little independent film. And there was a lot of that going out. I think of things like uh, Love, Honor, and Obey. You mentioned Lockstock already mm. a couple of years earlier. Um, you know, this sort of... I think, I mean, I would like to think that a lot of this was sort of kicked off by Shallow Grave and then Trainspotting. You know, because very much mm. independent in films, Film 4, producing and funding a lot of these films that came out. Um, yeah. You know, they, 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 they weren't all great. You know, that shopping with uh, Jude Law, for example, and uh, Sadie Frost, mm. not, not great. But then you've got films like ID, which... Uh, you know, um, if somebody, you know, would would somebody put up the money to make a film about undercover police infiltrating a, a, a football hooligan firm these days? Not so sure. Maybe if Nick Love was... <laughs> Nick Love was uh, directing it, they might do. Um, but yeah, it was just like, a really good time for these little, small, limited release interesting films. And you know, like, Rachel Weisz is a big star. Susan Lynch, I guess it didn't really happen for her. I know she was in 16 Years of Alcohol that we did last year with Kevin McKidd. That was a few, year, that was mm. a few years later. Yeah. You know, you got, you got Ian Glenn. He had done The Young Americans 
with uh, Harvey Keitel, which was a big film, you know, the, the kind of Bjork and uh, Brian Eno soundtrack. Uh, Viggo Mortensen was in it. You know, he did, did a lot of like interesting stuff. Um, and then, of course, Alex Norton is just the sort of at this point, he's just really the kind of journeyman of um, of like of like, sort of Scottish film and uh, television. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, he's popping up in all sorts of things from you know like from sitcoms and sitcom pilots with Alex Cumming and you know like Taggart villains and all sorts of stuff. Um, mm. So you know, I mean, I I, I really enjoyed it and it. It really kind of took me back because at this time, you know, I was a young guy, very, very into films. You know, we've spoken before of my wall of videos um, that I had in my flat. I would go and I would go and see a British film um, if it, if I liked the sound of it, um, even if it was only on at like the Belmont Cinema or somewhere like that. Or I would, you know, I'd go HMV and maybe just if there was a few of these types of films and I buy what, you know, buy three for 20 quid or whatever it was, I would, you know, like forefront video or whatever, I would go and pick them up, you know. So uh, I really enjoyed it. It was, I, I, f- I found that even though I'd never seen it before, I found it quite nostalgic. And it's and it's not, it's not like a slow film, it, you know, it, it there's, it doesn't really drag at all because of that short running mm. time. It just kind of, you know, it's it just sort of keeps going. You, you sort, and it sort of goes from one um, sort of tense moment, that tense, yeah, mm. often very funny moment um, to another. No, no, it, it rattles through at quite a pace and you know, immediately... I think that's quite effective as well. Even the opening titles, when they're coming up, you have the the voiceover of Tony and Doris, yeah, yeah. and you get the the immediate sense of you know the, the, this loved up couple, and then all of a sudden this argument starts about his golf clubs, yeah, and where are his golf clubs, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's just start chasing her down the train, and then poor Jake Darcy gets yeah. punched in the face, yeah. and immediately you know when once Dorothy goes back to the flat, you realise that that Tony's an evil bastard, mm-hmm. and there's, there's something not right here. Obviously. She wants to run away, and she, she's obviously been planning it because she has a, a train ticket. Yeah, yeah. And then just Pluto saves the day and kind of runs off, mm-hmm. and and she discovers Petula and and Brian attacking her and smacks him with a scaffolding pole. And yeah. like fair play to her to to pick up that. You know, you're looking around for what what can I hit him with? Oh, this scaffolding <laughs> yeah. pole. I'm like, is it was it not something a little bit <laughs> shorter? You can manoeuvre, because when you see, when she whacks him, it's almost like if she'd followed through properly, Petula's getting it as well. Yeah, I know. I know, and the thing is, like, I, I had uh, I had no idea what the plot of this film was, and I didn't read anything about it before I watched it. And I, I sort of, I actually thought it was going to be a bit of a kind of romantic comedy, if I'm being quite honest. You know, like, the name of it, Beautiful Creatures, mm. from one. You know, they, I, did, yeah. I did see a thumbnail of the, the film poster, or the, the cover of the DVD or whatever. And that that exchange that you mentioned there, it starts off quite nicely when you hear mm-hmm. them chatting and stuff, and you know, and then it starts to get nasty. And I kind of thought, oh, mm. it's, maybe this isn't the type of film I thought it was going to be. But I still, you know, but I, you know, I kind of thought, well, maybe she's going to meet a nicer guy, whatever. Maybe Ian Glenn's not in it that much. <laughs> and then, of course, it becomes this real, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as say sort of crime noir type film. Maybe that's what it's trying to be a little bit and maybe it doesn't 
it's not entirely successful in that. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I had no idea what to expect, really. Um, mm. But as I say, I had an assumption, uh, sort of subconscious, I guess, assumption that it was going to be a sort of knockabout romantic comedy with uh, Alex Norton in it, <laughs> being charming and funny, and Ian Glenn being charming <laughs> and funny, and Rachel Weiss being, you know, gorgeous and all this kind of thing. And it's it's, it's <laughs> nothing like that at all. <laughs> I mean, as I say, it's a, there's a very serious message there. I mean, both of these women are victims of domestic abuse mm. and Tony's kind of gone after he's wrecked the flat and then Dorothy saves Petula from being attacked by Brian but it's done with such a comedic way as well in terms of I mean, not the, the the violence against the women mm. that's not dealt with in a comedic way but the women get the upper hand yeah. on all occasions which I think is is, is well done And but it is comedic with Dorothy smacking him with the that scaffolding yeah. pole and then they drag him back to the flat because yeah. of course neither of them can drive yeah. so rather than just leaving there that's that's one why didn't they just leave him there but I guess Petula does say well he's my boyfriend I'll lose my job I'll lose my yeah, house yeah. If, if I don't look after him so they take him back and stick him in the bath mm. but they, but they, t- they, t- they tuck him in and everything you know what I mean it's, yeah uh, no, no. you know he's, he's, he's not out of place being dragged along it's just like he's pished it's, you know it's Glasgow City Centre <laughs> early in the morning. So, of course, unfortunately, then he dies. Mm. Um, it falls over and, and smacks his head, and then they've got a dead body to deal with. And that's mm. where the film kind of goes into itself, and then you realise, ah, okay, this is, yeah, this is yeah. what's going to happen. And you wonder, is it going to be like a weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> How are they going to do this? Um, and, of course, the, the people are looking for him, because he is quite a, a successful businessman, but he works for his brother's company. Mm. Um, so yeah, there is a, a bit of an issue in terms of what, what's happening. Where is he? Yeah, everyone's looking for him. Yeah, um, you know, I think you know, I had a look at uh, the director Bill Eagles. I had a look at his IMDb, and he's he's quite a prolific director, but he it's, he directs episodes of um, TV shows, like sort of touching evil mm. stuff like that. You know, um, he's been directing like drama for like ITV and the BBC for years and years. I think this is one of the few movies he's directed, and you know, he's I think he's good at kind of building the tension um mm. you know probably because of that pedigree he has and directing like sort of well-written drama um on the television and then of course you know Rachel Weiss is a fantastic actress you know what I mean like well she's you know famous f- famously Oscar winner uh, and James Bond's wife uh, Rachel Weiss now but um or the the former James Bond's wife um but she's she's great in it you know because she's you know, I suppose like you could have had her as a bit of a ditzy sort of bit kind of mm. bimboish kind of character, and she does she does play to that a little bit. But there's a there's a sort of slyness about her performance as mm. well. You know, she's yeah, she is quite timid. She is she has been a victim of this guy, and I suppose the story is her becoming less of a victim. Uh, through the plot, you know, uh, through the you know as the story unfolds, but you know she's she's got a sort of self depreciating awareness of what of what she is, you know, uh, uh, this character Petula. Like when when Dorothy asks her her name and she says Petula, and they Dorothy starts laughing and she starts laughing as well because she knows that her name is a bit old fashioned and a bit unique and maybe a bit silly uh, by modern standards. And even when they're on the boat and the home movie of her and Brian is on and she's talking to Brian in German and Dorothy uh, roasts her a bit and she kind of she's a laugh about it you know what I mean she jokes with her about it um, yeah. you know um, yeah, but, but Susan Lynch is also really good as well you know but I, I, don't, I don't know why we we haven't seen more of her in kind of lead roles over the years you know 
Chula, by the way. Nice grass. You missed your bus. But Chula. But that's the real strength of this film, I think, other than Alex Norton, obviously, is the relationship between the two women mm. and the way they bounce off each other. Yeah. And you can tell that they're, you know, really friendly. Mm-hmm. And it, it really works well in terms of that that dynamic. And they take the piss out of each other. And it, it, almost from the outset, obviously, Dorothy saved her. Yeah. And then helping her, dragging her back. And as she's a way to you know, roll in a joint. And she's like, you know... D- you're not here for a party flower. Yeah. And then once they have the joint and then they kind of just relaxes and she say they burst out laughing. And then obviously once they, they have the dead body <laughs> in the flat, then they, they really have to bond together. As you say, I think it would have been very easy to paint Petula as this ditzy blonde of just this kind of trophy girlfriend. And she's just tee going along with everything and doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. As you say, her, she does, you see the flicker and, and the change is when the, the finger gets sent in the post. Yeah to and and alex norton's there and when she's on the phone to dorothy and and she's kind of almost about to crack and and then when dorothy says look he's dead there's nothing we can do about it let's just move on and she just instantly changes we want one million pounds or you'll find his head <laughs> yeah. in a you know in a green rucksack <laughs> with a ribbon on yeah. it i can't think of anything else to say brian is dead you're all alone it's just you and me help me You want exactly one million pounds cash. No! A real number, a serious number, not a bloody imaginary. One million pounds or Ronnie McMinn will get his brother's head in a green nylon knapsack all tied up with a ribbon through the post. Bloody Instantly just changes. That's, uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, So, yeah, she's, she's... very clever as well and switched on and, and knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah you know, she, I think at that moment she realises that she's got a golden opportunity to extract herself from a pretty unpleasant situation, you know, where, mm. right through the means of her new pal. Um, and then it's got a great moment that when Alex Norton asks her to ask the, the kidnapper a question that only she and Brian would know the answer to. Um, and she's... <laughs> She says, uh, tell me the last time we made love. And Dorothy says, last night, up the bottom. And she almost like, <laughs> she almost laughs a bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to look at how Beautiful Creatures has been sort of accepted. Um, obviously, it's 23 years old. Um, Rotten Tomato, it's um, not that well received on Rotten Tomato. Uh, 38% on the tomato meter um, from a 60 reviews. Uh, the critics' consensus was implausible, uneven, and gratuitously violent. This estrogen-powered crime caper lacks the finesse of Thelma and Louise or Guy Ritchie's work. 
which I think I think that's maybe a bit unfair. You know, maybe at the time it might not have uh, stood up. But in, um, I think you know, in hindsight, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a good film. <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely think it's good. I think the fact that you have two strong female leads, you're going to always get comparisons to Thelma and Louise. But it's, it's you know, it's not the same. It's, it's completely different. And I, I mean, I can see the obvious reasons why. But this is more of a black comedy kind of version mm. of it. And yeah, yeah. as I say, although it's got very serious undertones, it is very funny in places. And no, I, I don't agree with that. I think it mm. does hold up. I, I. I wonder if it was around about the time of 2000s, if maybe a lot of these were male reviewers that were just a bit butthurt in finding two strong female leads. Because, as I said earlier, all the men in this film are painted as fucking idiots. Or, you know, they're all kind of violent, sadistic, twisted arseholes. Mm -hmm. But they are, they're all idiots at the end of the day. And, you know, the women get it over them. Yeah. All of them. I mean, you know, in the end, most of them end up dead. the The only sort of redeeming um, male character is the wee guy who works in the in the shop, you know, who gives Dorothy yeah. her fags on tick because um, she's not getting any money mm. on her. And then obviously, you know, we we don't see it, but he obviously frees Petula toward the end, so she can uh, she can she can run to uh, Dorothy's rescue, uh, you know. But yeah, I th- I, th- I think you're right. But I I also think that this film, you know, it in the sort of modern sphere, I think it's probably aged better than a film like Thelma and Louise. And you know, I think I, mean, I, I saw I I remember seeing Thelma and Louise when it was still quite new years ago and quite enjoying it. But then I saw some of it. I think it was when I was in America last year. They probably jet lagged to fuck. Um, just strolling through the millions of fucking TV channels that America has on all the time. And um, I saw some of it. And I remember thinking that it was a bit... I don't know. I just I don't feel that it's aged as well. It's sort of hammy a little bit. And I, think, I guess the motivation of the characters of Thelma and Louise are quite similar to the characters of Petula and um, Dorothy. But, the, but the, mm. I think the crucial difference is... is in th- Thelma and Louise are on the run from early on in the film, whereas Dorothy and Petula, you know, they they you know they're not on the run until the very very end of the film, and they they don't go on the run, but they get away. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, it, it's it, it can all it can all works out for them, albeit a bit inadvertently. But it all kind of comes together for them and they get away with it. Whereas Thelma and Louise, famously, I'm going to spoil it for anybody who's not seen it, they fucking they fucking chicken shit out of it and drive off a fucking cliff you know what I mean <laughs> and, I, and I always thought it was the stupidest fucking ending because they could quite easily you know like they they, 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 they kill a guy who tries to rape one of them and then they do a little bit of robbery but they could probably have been alright with the police you know what I mean <laughs> but they've decided to fucking drive off a cliff. It's just ridiculous. Whereas Dorothy and Petula are like they get away with the money, which I think is a mo- I, th- I think in like in the sort of modern mess, the modern sort of prevailing messaging. I think that's a much more positive ending than committing suicide. Yeah. you? And they give it. They give Jake Darcy a massive tip to make up for his broken nose exactly. that Ian Glenn had given them earlier. Exactly. The director, I read, Bill Eagle was a, a preview for this and he got up and, and mentioned before the, the viewing of the film he said um, if you don't think that death S&M mutilation of dead bodies and drugs are appropriate for a comedy then you better leave now and <laughs> I wonder if that's because it does kind of cover all of that yeah, does, in the yeah. film maybe not to the extent that he was kind of mentioning because it makes it sound like it's a lot more graphic and gratuitous than it actually is mm-hmm. um, there's not really a lot that is 
graphically thing. I yeah. mean, obviously, when Pluto's chewing on the fingers, and you see that he's already obviously demolished two of them, <laughs> yeah. and he's just chewing on the third one. <laughs> 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 you have to wonder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a fair assessment in terms of the film. It, it does cover all those topics, but not quite to extreme lengths. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I don't think it's particularly gratuitous. You know, there's, I suppose there's a, you know, there's the a sort of intravenous drug scene. But again, you know, I mean, it's it's not up close. Um, there's no, you know, I, I, Shallow Grave, I think, is it's a, bit, it's a bit more gratuitous, especially when... The scene when Christopher Eccleston is drawn is drawing the short straw and he's having to he's having to saw uh, Keith Allen's body up. Um, mm. You know, I don't think there's anything particularly good choice in this. I mean, like the and even like the sort of homemade sex tape. You know that you don't see a great deal. Um, you know, it's just a, a, a close up of like the couple's waists, really, and mm. some quite amusing uh, German. <laughs> passionate uh, yearning over the top of it. Yeah, I don't think it was particularly gratuitously violent. It would probably get a 15, I think, if it was released now. Mm. You know? I'm quite amazed. I, there's a lot revolving around this golf bag in the film as well, of course, Tony's golf bag, and that's one of the first things that is mentioned at the start of the film. And and obviously we find out later on that it was actually Alex Norton's golf bag that <laughs> yeah. Tony had stolen the yeah. golf clubs. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice little kind of funny part. Yeah. But how much does Tony fit in his golf bag? He's got a fucking commando knife. <laughs> he's got big bag of all his, his drugs. <laughs> um he's got two guns yeah. at least oh. that we know of. Uh, he's fitted quite a lot into his golf bag there. And it, it was sitting in the pawn shop for a few days. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean I think that's I think, you know, I think if, if there was an opportunity with the film, it would be to sort of flesh Tony out a little bit because he's, mm. he's, he's, you know, they, you're given the impression by all the things that you've just described that he's an arch gangster, but he's also mm. clearly a heroin addict who's, who's mm. rattling like fuck, um, especially in the scene that you're talking about when uh, when he when he comes to the flat and discovers Petula and um, and Dorothy there and obviously poor old dead Brian on the balcony. Mm. So yeah, I would I think I because I, I did make in my I did write in my notes about. 40 minutes into the film like, where's Ian Glenn <laughs> you know he's in that scene at mm. the beginning he, I'm sure he must be in this film more than uh, than, than just that that sort of few minutes scene at the beginning but yeah I think I'd like to have known a bit more about Tony and you know how is he mm. how is he you know because he, you know, he, he's dressed in a shirt and trousers like a sort of the kind of gangster uniform stereotypical uniform and stuff but anyway yeah so I think we need to talk about Alex Norton <laughs> in this film and, and go into kind of depth of him and such a great actor obviously I mean I don't think we need to even explain how much we love Alex Norton on this uh, podcast but his performance in this is just something else he's you think he's going to be a proper you know serious cop yeah, and yeah. then turns out he's obviously a bent copper uh -huh. and he's but he's also a perverted bent copper I I think possibly one of my favorite parts of this entire film is the little cut scene when you see Alex Norton eating a fried egg roll yeah. and just before Texas kicks <laughs> <Yeah>. in <laughs> and it just drips all down yeah. <laughs> he's looking menacing outside the house before he's about to go in and put a, a shotgun up Petula's nightdress <laughs> uh, but yeah he comes in and he's obviously as I say, the, the first kind of scene, you don't really know. You just think he's a, a kind of funny, bumbling mm -hmm. cop because he, he comes in, he's obviously very cheeky with Petula, yeah. as you would yeah. be. Because yeah. if, if, if she was to answer the door just wearing a blanket and bent down like that, of course, any man's going to be yeah, yeah. 
kind of taken. And then when he's in the house and he's kind of sniffing about and you think, okay, has he got a nose? You know, is this going to be his kind of superpower? He can smell things yeah. in the air. And uh, of course, when she finds the finger and gets the phone call and <laughs> explains about the what did he ask about the last time we had sex yeah. on the couch twice? And what he says, like, Brian's a very lucky man. Yeah. <laughs> and she slaps him. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. And this is because it means he's still alive. You're like, okay, Norton's going to kind of be the, the comedy kind of vehicle. I thought you're almost going to feel sorry for him. Like he's, he's going to genuinely try and solve this case, yeah. but not quite get there because he's a bit of a, a a bumbling fool but maybe he will crack it in the end but no it just genuinely turns out he's a <laughs> he's in on it trying to get money out of this as well and he's trying to get a million quid to himself yeah yeah i mean i think i would agree with you there i mean i i had i i got all the misdirection as well from from him and then you know when he i think that scene that you mentioned like when texas kicks in and he's it's not he's not only eating an egg roll he's it looks like he's got a can of purple tin as well <laughs> he's trying he does, yeah i was trying to see what the can yeah. was but yeah i forgot yeah <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know and then he, he you know it sort of takes a bit of a more sinister uh kind of turn and the thing is as well i mean run about well you know would was he was he leading Taggart at this point or did that a couple of years later was it still James McPherson I maybe still with James McPherson in 2000 maybe not sure yeah so he started in Taggart uh, yeah his first appearance as DCI Matt Burke was in season 18 episode 1 Death Trap in 2002 right okay um, yeah so you know but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was kind of, I was sort of rooting for him until they got a wee, until they got a wee bit pervy. Because uh, you, 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 you know, we sort of the sort of penny drops that he's out to rip off um, Morix Rove's character uh, mm. pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Um, and um, I was kind of rooting for him to get away with it. And I sort of, I had sort of fantasized an ending in my mind where the three of them all get away clean with the money. Um, <laughs> but then, of course, he's, you know, he sort of helps them get away. But then, of course, he, you know, that scene you just mentioned where he breaks into the house and there's a wee bit of innuendo even in his interview with, uh, when he interviews Petula for the first time, you know, have you got a rear entrance I could make use of and all this kind of thing? And yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like, mm. um, you know, and that scene that you mentioned when he breaks in and she's in bed and he puts a shotgun under the counter and his face is really close to hers and, it was kind of, you know, because like we obviously love Alex Norton and especially in uh, Two Doors Down is Eric. You know what I mean? He's just, he's brilliant in that role. You just, you just mm-hmm. kind of love him for it. Um, so to, to see him playing a bit of a sleazy bad guy, you kind of, it was a bit uncomfortable, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, not Eric. <laughs> not, not DCI Burke. No, no, not Big Alex. Come on. Um but, uh, you know, I guess he's got to, you know, he's a good actor. <laughs> yeah, but, but he plays the role well. To say, you are, you're really believable in terms of the, that he is this slimy kind of, how is he getting away with it in terms of the cops? He's just obviously not reporting the crime. But the cops know about it because yeah. his colleagues ask him, what's happening with that kidnapping? Mm-hmm. And to say, when he did, that's what he says to his colleague. Oh, I think he's run away. Uh, have you met his girlfriend? Absolute dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> a nice little um 
a nice little part as well that shows what a, a pervy bastard he is is when the the money is exchanged hands for the drop off and he pretends to call for backup but he calls a sauna yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little little clip there it was a nice little part that um just kind of sums up his character that he's obviously a regular visit to uh glasgow's sauna and uh massage emporium yeah there was there was a little bit of um misdirection as well like when the scene when um i can't remember if it's dorothy or, i think it's petrula and she's at the beach and she's waiting for dorothy and the old guy's telling the wee boy about how lobsters uh they sort of like eat all the dead flesh and all that kind of thing. And I thought, you know, are, are, are lobsters going to be the sort of pigs in this? You know, are the girls going to take Brian down, mm. to the, down to the shore and chuck him in the sea for the lobsters to eat him? You know, in the same way that Bricktop feeds people to the pigs and Snatch. <laughs> you know, but, uh, well, I, I don't know if it was misdirection or, or not. It was just, or it was just supposed to be a little kind of, a little kind of funny scene, you know, to sort of set the well, scene down there. The only note I did have for that scene was, do you realise it was uh, Swally favourite John Murtaugh yeah. that plays the, the pedo on the beach, yeah. as I've named him. Because yeah. <laughs> he is evidently a pedo. Uh, yeah. um, Juliet. He's talking about lobsters being cold and is your girlfriend warm? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Juliet Casdell plays, uh, plays the mum as well. Yeah, it's just a little blink and you'll miss her part. And uh, and Jojo's mum plays, um, from looking after Jojo, plays uh, uh, the secretary, like Brian, not secretary, but the other woman that works in the office, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, Sheila uh, Haddington. Yeah, Haddington, yeah. 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 yeah, again, another kind of, not blink and you'll miss it, but it was very much, a, it, I was watching it and I think I was, I was making a note at the time mm-hmm. And as soon as she spoke and I heard her voice, I just parked up and looked at the screen again. I'm like, oh, I know that voice. Oh, God, it's Ellie Huntington. Yeah. Um, very recognisable voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we please stop watching things where dogs get hurt? I was going to say that, yeah. I, uh, I mean, you know, Pluto comes through. But it was a bit, yeah. a bit of canine jeopardy there, I thought. When I saw that, I thought, ooh, you know, Nick is... Poor dog went through the ringer. He got painted red, got put up in a hoist. Yeah. He got his, I mean, I, I'm presuming his ear is gone. I, I was. I like to think it's just bandaged down to help yeah. it heal. But I, I, I've got a funny feeling that he is just a one-eared dog from now Yeah, on. I mean, why... I don't know why we have to put Pluto through the ringer so much like that. You know, he's... you know they Because the same thing happens to the dog in gremlins only it's with fairy lights isn't it um is what happens to pluto and then you know she's trying to get the paint out of him and you know patula thinks that he's part acrylic she thinks that's a breed of dog sort of like (laughs) ongoing joke but yeah i don't think i don't think you know fair enough have him in the hoist to show what a fucking nasty cunt um tony is but did we have to get Mm. his ear get him shot in the ear as well we already know that Tony's a prick and a nasty bastard, but yeah. we have, I don't know that we really needed that. Um, you know, I don't, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I don't like seeing dogs getting injured or killed in TV programs. I want to ask you as well: Did this need to be set in Glasgow? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there anything? Most stuff that we cover on the Swally, or even if it's not particularly a Scottish film, but it's still set in Glasgow, it, it kind of it has something about it that it's necessary of the yeah, yeah. the kind of vehicle of the story as to why it's been set there. This could have been set anywhere, though. Yeah, really. definitely. Yeah, and you know, like Dorothy's Irish and Petrula's English. Mm. Um, all the guys are Scottish. Even Paul Higgins turns up at the end. Mm. See Paul Higgins there at the end. <laughs> Yes, yeah. a, a junk <laughs> That was great. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm looking for a China, I mean. Um 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the Glasgow uh, Film Fund were putting the money up for it, you know, and and that and mm. that's why it was filmed there. But yeah, to your point, it could be it could be anywhere. Really, I'm glad it was, mm. you know, because we got the opportunity to cover it, and you know, I'm glad it was filmed in Glasgow and set there. But I just wondered, it was just after I'd finished it, and I thought, was was there any need really for that to be set in Glasgow? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. And the thing is, as well, the locations actually, I did make a note of this. The locations are a bit weird anyway, because clearly, like the flat um, that a lot of the action takes place in, like Dorothy's flat, is clearly in a studio. You can tell by the ceiling. You know what I mean? Like the beams of the mm. ceiling and all that. And I guess, you know, it's probably they had a limited budget there to do that. But we're expected to be- believe that this kind of quite modern, nice flat is in the Red Road. Because there's a scene when she's mm. at the Red Road Flats. And I guess we're a shoot, like, outside, like, on the road beside the Red Road Flats. And we're and the scene when she's on the phone Petrula, she's on the Erskine Bridge. Um Mm. We know when, when the policeman comes to speak to her about throwing herself off the bridge and all that, which is another quite funny scene. Um, so yeah, the, the mm. locations are all sort of all over the place, and I, I, I guess the beach was probably somewhere. It looked like it was somewhere in maybe Ayrshire, maybe like Saltcoats or or Ayr itself, something like that. So yeah, the locations are all sort of all over the place. But um, you're right; it could have been. You know, you could have filmed it in Newcastle and filmed the beach scenes at Whitby. <laughs> so at the end they because that's the thing obviously norton gets shot and he's got the million pounds on him Mm. but they just kind of abandon that because you do see the bits of the money but surely not all of it is gone well they um well they they were looking for a million weren't they mm. you know that and they're yeah but then they think they know he's got the money Uh, they know he's got the one million that they think is the only one million yeah he's been shot you do see like a crumpled 50 like torn in bits but surely that's only going to be a couple of them unless the bullet has gone through all of them Yeah, yeah then maybe they did but they obviously find the other million pounds and they're, they're off on the train. Now, where do you think they're going to at the end? I mean, they're, they're probably just on the train to Edinburgh or something. Because was it £2.60 <laughs> yeah. it cost them for that journey? Now, even in 2000, that's, yeah. they're only going to Edinburgh yeah. the, the, the most. Where are, they, where are they going after that? Are they just going to hide out in Edinburgh? Oh, yeah. A single to, a single to Edinburgh would have got about £2.60 back then, I'd have thought. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's four dead bodies, including a police officer, in Dorothy's flat. Um, he's got a million quid with him. Um, obviously, <laughs> unless the, the flat's registered in Tony's name, she's got nothing on any documents there. But you kind of get the impression it's her flat. I don't know. Maybe. But four dead bodies, a lot of shotgun you yeah. know, bullets everywhere. It took a long time for the police to come as well, because I'm pretty sure if you heard that level of gunshots... Um, someone would be calling the police quite quickly oh. although maybe not if it was at the red yeah, I was going to say maybe not <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah so where do you think they're going apart from with their, their single ticket to Edinburgh yeah I don't know a bizarre yeah because um, another thing is like the train so it's a really old fashioned train so it's got like compartments and all yeah. that mm. I mean I've I don't think I don't think I've not been on a train like that since like the 80s and when they were being phased out you know what I mean those trains because you, you can get you can get more people on it you, you can't get as many people on those trains like that so yeah I don't know well it depends because I've I've 
done a bit of train traveling recently here um and yeah but we've traveled first class but yeah there are yeah you know, still compartments just like four to a compartment first class but yeah yeah and they're obviously in first class at the end because they've got the money that's a good point two pound sixty for a first class <laughs> ticket to edinburgh that's cheap maybe it was off peak <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah um there's an, an, another bit in this that uh that i'm a bit squirmish a bit squeamish about but when when Brian wakes up in the bath and mm. he's a you know he's obviously discombobulated and then we realise pretty quickly that he's having some sort of brain hemorrhage or aneurysm or something and there's that bit where you see blood coming out of his eye I don't like that mm. I don't yeah yeah I don't, I, I, I'm squeamish yeah. with eyes yeah but although I did like his classic Nokia phone that, <laughs> that I think we all yes. we all had one of them at one point didn't we yeah yeah we all had that. Nice bit of Texas in this as well. Yeah. I don't want a lover. Well, that's a great intro to this. Well, that song. kicked in. Yeah. yeah. Great intro. I mean, yeah, well, you know, and just after we see Norton eating a fried egg roll, it's just just what you need a bit of Texas. And the thing was, that was like, that was like sort of old Texas by then because that was after mm. um, that album that fucking, what the name of it? The one that had like um, White on Blonde. White on Blonde, yeah. I mean, that was fucking huge because Texas had been around for mm. years. Um, yeah. And then suddenly they were massive. Like Chris Evans, I think. I think uh, Chris Evans had a lot to do with it because he was on the Radio One Breakfast Show then, and he played like pretty much every single that they released off that album all the time. And he, ha- he mm. had them on TFI Friday and everything like that. Mm. Um, but that's but that's quite op- that's like quite a sort of vintage Texas song. But that yeah, it's one of their first. Yeah, but you know, easily one of the one of the best intros to a song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know that reverb. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. 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 And as soon as it hits, as soon as that hits that intro, you're like, oh wow, I know exactly what this is. It's uh, yeah, yeah, really good. Really enjoyed that. And there's something really sort of Scottish about the beginning of that song. Do you know what I mean? Because like Deacon Blue have got one or two songs with a sort of one or two note slidey reverb guitars and. you know, like a few other Scottish bands as well. Um, but, it, mm. it, but you know, it really, if it, even it might even feel like really Glaswegian, maybe even I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, it's fucking class when that comes on. I, and I hadn't heard that song for a really long time, actually, before I watched no. the film. Yeah, me neither. I think that's maybe why I was quite excited when it came yeah. on, and it's like, oh wow, yeah, kind of really just hit uh, hit home to me. Did you, go, did you go down a Texas rabbit hole? I mean, evidently I didn't, because I can't no. remember the name of the fucking. I can't remember the fucking album. <laughs> <what> you told me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't remember why. I did go down a bit of a Texas rabbit hole um, maybe about six months ago. Oh, really? I listened to... Uh, we must have... Maybe I'd watched something. My wife and Texas were on it or something. Or maybe a song from White on Blonde. And I I did listen to White on Blonde again. Mm. And it, it, yeah, it's a good album. Great album. You know, something. It, it holds up. It is, yeah. It's mm. a really good album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did end up down a Texas rabbit hole. I can't <laughs> remember why. Not sure. Yeah. Just one of those random things that you just end up down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for some reason um, but yeah as I say I, I'm i really glad that we watched this in terms of mm-hmm. Beautiful Creatures because um, it was really good I mean I don't know is there anything else you want to cover in terms of the film no I, I don't think so I, I think we've done it all shall we shall we put uh, shall we put it through our Swally Awards yeah why not let's go for it so okay. what have we got first okay uh, first award then the Bobby the Barman award for the best pub there's no pub. There's no pub. Is there? I put. Did I, I put. I, 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 I didn't miss a pub. No, there's no pub in it. I put. I put Brian's boat 
Question mark. <laughs> He's got a little gantry in his boat, yeah. isn't he? Um, <laughs> I suppose. Could give that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, we'll move on quickly then. So, um, mm. the James Cosmo Award for being everything Scottish. I think it's well, Norton runs off. It's, it's Norton, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, <laughs> it's no one else. Well, I, I did give... I mean, there's a, there is a lot of other people, yeah. but Norton's by far and away. I, d- I, d- I did give a sort of special mention to Morris Roves, because he's... <laughs> It's a bit yeah, of an everyman, isn't it? He? He's sort of, he kind of like, yeah. you know, it's kind of been, I mean, he's, he, I read that he, you know, sadly, he, he, he passed away in, in 2020, but he was a good age. I mean, we didn't really speak about Morris Rose. I mean, he mm. he's great in this he's as great. well. But he's got he's got a face that could only belong to a Scotsman, I think. Yeah. <laughs> sort of scraggy, craggy, yeah. severe, you know what I mean? You know, um, yeah, he is, he's, he's very good at it. He, 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 he does menacing really well. You know what I mean? He's really, really good in it. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, next then, the Jake McQuillan Your Tizu Award. I mean, it's Brian getting panned over the head with a scaffolding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are quite a few instances in this mm. of of Tizu. Um, there's a couple of things could have picked, but yeah, exactly. I went yeah, yeah. with uh, Dorothy smacking Brian with a scaffolding. Pole. <laughs> I made a note of uh, Tony punching poor old Jake Darcy at the beginning. Um, yeah. And I also made a note of uh, of uh, Tony getting plunged with his big Bowie knife by um, Pachula. Yes. <laughs> That's, that is almost more of a, well, is it more of a teaser? I don't know. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd I think yeah, Brian getting the scaffolding yeah, pull yeah. off his napper has to be yeah yeah. I mean it, it sets it sets the plot up for the whole film, doesn't it? All right, the Ewan McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity. Um, I went with the chicks and change yeah. scud mag yeah. at the garage because yeah. you do see <laughs> it in the tape on the boat. You don't really see anything, yeah. or I don't know if you do see a little bit of, of boobage, but yeah, it's the it's the scud mag at the garage. Yeah. Where uh, where do you stand on bondage? Is it? No, no not really. Just the, Yourself? No, it's just, just, it's uncomfortable and a lot of work. <laughs> 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 um, the uh, the Francis Begbie Award for uh, gratuitous swearing. Where'd you go for here? There's quite a few, um, but I I really liked Ian Glenn's delivery of when he reappears at the flat and he says, "There's something I need in my golf bag to make me feel better, doll. I'm feeling shite." <laughs> yeah, and it's it's more his delivery of the the way he says shite that really won me over. So that was my best use of swearing. Yeah. What about yourself? I like that one. But I also liked um, when Petula uh, is trying to drive the car and she's talking to herself and she, and she says, uh, I write it down, she says, neutral, always make sure your vehicle is in neutral before you start your engine, Petula, or I will punch your fucking lights out. <laughs> clutch, accelerator, brake. No, brake, accelerator, clutch. Surely. <sighs> neutral. Always. Make sure your vehicle is in neutral before you start your engine, Petula. Or I will punch your fucking lights out. You know, and obviously there's nothing funny about uh, domestic violence, but the way I think because Rachel Wise has this, you know, she has quite a posh sort of English voice, just the way she said it, it just really made me laugh. Um <laughs> And then I mean I'm, I'm going to I'm going to assume this might be a bit harder for you because obviously we mentioned before that the film 
really could have been set anywhere. Didn't have set in Glasgow. But what, what was your arch- mm. what was your archetypal Scottish moment? Um, it was the the scene. <laughs> I feel bad <laughs> saying this, but it's the um, it is the part where the um, Dorothy is on is the Erskine Bridge, as you yeah. see, and the police officer <laughs> comes up, and it, of course, because it is obviously a archetypal suicide hotspot yeah. but it's the way he delivers the do you know the hassle of fishing out dead bodies i went home and take an overdose yeah, yeah. that was funny uh, now i don't mean to make light of suicide obviously no. but i just found that amusing in terms of the i went home and take an overdose yes. get away yeah it's real sort of uh so yeah real kind of gallows uh scottish humor what about yourself what'd you go for i, I sort of dithered between a uh, nonce at the seaside and um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> drugs in the golf bag. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah very true. <clears throat> yeah. So oh, anyway, yeah. No, I'm 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 glad we came across this. I did have a bit of baller um, when I was researching Beautiful Creatures because there's another film called Beautiful Creatures with Jeremy Irons in it. Um, so I, I had mm. to like I had to go in Rachel Weiss's IMDb and click on click on it from there. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good little good little pop boiler. Just to uh, just to check, I think we've missed uh, who won. Oh, yeah, we have absolutely. I think we've missed yeah. the Sean Connery award, we have, have we? We have missed it. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's obvious. It's not, I mean, I, I did put Pluto the dog, mm. but it. Genuinely, for me, it's Alex Norton. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's so good in it. Yeah, he he, he, is, he is. I mean, I I would I would give like a, a runner up prize to Rachel Weiss, not just because she's gorgeous, no. but I just think she she just plays that part really, really, really well. You know, she's she really got her arms around it. I wish I'd kept a tally at the start of this of how many times you've mentioned that Rachel <laughs> Weiss is gorgeous. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, she she is. Great in this actually she does say and it takes a lot of um it takes a lot of chops to pull off a role like that where you are kind of expected to be a maybe like a dumb ditzy blonde yeah. but you're actually really intelligent and then calculating and, yeah. and she she really plays and flips it really well and, and and it's and she's so funny as well exactly as you've said the the little parts of um mm-hmm. of when she's she's driving and she yes yeah, it's, it's exactly that yeah. but, or i'll punch you in the fucking head yeah. um but also the the vulnerability as well because when she goes home um i think after the the instance just before norton comes in with a shotgun and and she kind of calls out when she gets in for brian yeah. and she, she it's like a vulnerability there you can see it's kind of it has hit home to her that she's dead he's dead and not coming back and she's all on her own and that's uh yeah well see i i i, I really read well. that a different way i thought that she maybe thought that it might be morris roves and she was mm. there was a bit of misdirection on her part you know they sort of calling out brian but you know okay. maybe in fair that well if she is if she thinks that it's brian that's coming then he she obviously that doesn't know where he is she obviously thinks that he's still alive or whatever um mm. you know because i just thought that by that point in the film she she was you know like patrulla was kind of playing the dumb ditzy blonde but in reality she's mm. quite she knows what's going on and she's got a plan and everything else and she's got a strategy yeah but yeah, no, she was good, uh, uh, Rachel Weiss. I guess we'll never see her in a... Yeah. And we also got to see a little uh, vision of her in the shower through a f- bit of frosted glass as well. <laughs> you know, I don't think she does those sorts of scenes anymore. But anyway, uh, not to sound like too much of a fucking pervert. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
it was uh, it was my uh, it was my choice, beautiful creatures, which means it's your choice uh, for the next episode. So, what are we watching? Um, well, similarly, when similarly, what is that even a word? Um, that's great. Well, similarly, when I picked Shetland, it was it wasn't so much a request from a listener, but it was kind of something that was inspired by mm-hmm. Big Henry because he'd mentioned it. Yeah. And this is similar as well. And this is Andy from Finland, our our listener. And Andy, you did send us an email with a, a load of things and suggestions, and I am going to get round to a few of those. I, I promise you. In fact, I was quite close to picking one of them before I picked this. But I think the first time I spoke to you on Instagram, Andy, you'd mentioned this film, and that's why you've kind of inspired it for me. And it's something that I've been wanting to pick for a while as well. So on the next episode of The Swally Greg, I would like to look at the 2014 film written and directed by the lead singer of Bell and Sebastian, Stuart Murdoch, God Help the Girl. Cool. I've not, I've not seen that. Oh. I, I know a little bit about it. I know Emily Browning's in it, um, mm-hmm. but I've not seen it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Have you seen it before? Um, I had, yes. Yeah. I had seen it once before, which I'll... Exp- well, I'll tell you now, actually. You know those nights when you've watched a film and maybe the other half's gone to bed and you're like, I- I'm not wanting to go to bed yet. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch another film and you open another bottle of wine yeah. <laughs> and you sit and watch a film. Yeah, that was when I first watched okay. it. So my memory of it was maybe a little bit hazy. Right. Um, but yes, I I have watched it um, yeah once before, but I haven't seen it since. Cool. So no, look I'm looking forward to watching it again. As am I. Yeah. Brilliant. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us with anything you've seen in Scottish news that you'd like us to cover, or if you've got anything you would like us to cover as a, a film or TV show on The Swally, then please get in touch with us on cultureswally at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at cultureswallypod. Or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod. And please feel free to give us a little rating, review, subscription on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the show. And Greg, we've got a wonderful website that people can visit as well, don't we? We do. Uh, You can find us at cultureswally.com. There's a couple of essays on there and links to other episodes thus far uh, and our swally tally as well see who is showing up the most in our content wonderful right well would you like to mention once more how uh, how much <laughs> you like rachel vice before we uh, we end the show or are you, are you done no, for the day i think i'm done for the day i think i've i think i've done it done for the day yeah 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 i wait to retire to bed with a copy of chicks and chains <laughs> yeah hopefully my wife's asleep <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Well, thank you very much, Greg, you beautiful creature. <laughs> and I will, uh, I'll see you next time. Until next time. Is this what you're looking for, you evil bastard? Get out, Tony, or I'll stab you. I honestly will. Where'd you get one of them, though? Jesus. Listen, Dorothy, I'm not well. I'm sick, doll. I didn't know that was in there, darling. Don't get upset at me. There's something in my golf bag I need, Dorothy. Make me feel better, doll. I'm feeling shite. And then I'll be out of here, you know me, babe. <laughs>